Welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast, podcast number 60. I'm pleased to say I've got Stevie Poocher and Daniel St. Ledger here today. Lads, that was a huge weekend of sport there. Stevie, you'll obviously be a happy man there, um, saying Liverpool getting beat there at the weekend. Daniel, I'm not quite sure who you support. I think you're a Liverpool man, are you? Uh, I, I'd like to see them doing well, but I'd be relatively neutral now. I won't stay at home supporting just for, for fear of the... <laughs> Fear of what I get back, but uh, yeah, a little bit, little bit upset for them at the weekend. But Stevie, a bad week for you. Down, get beat, and uh, obviously uh, Liverpool. You're 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 not a Liverpool fan, are you? No, 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 Joe. No, no, no. Definitely not. Definitely not. Having spent uh, uh, four years in Manchester, a season ticket holder now, just in the for then. So had uh, had good old days, Joe. Good old days, but they're. They're, they're few and far between now. No, listen, down, down beat as well. Um, long, long road back. I don't think we, don't think we have enough time in the show to start talking about down tonight. <laughs> no, I think we'll give them about twenty seconds. Uh, lads, we'll just uh, we'll talk about coming up on the show. We'll talk about the Ulster final to begin with. Then we'll talk a wee bit about Galway, and then uh, obviously Dublin and Kerry. They're winning as well. Hard to tell uh, what's happening there. Then we'll see who who you might fancy for the back door in the All-Ireland, and then we'll finish up with a Talchon Cup roundup. But before we get into that, a huge thanks to our sponsors, Ripped, for supporting the podcast. Ripped's online platform provides coaches with everything they need to optimize athlete performance. Head over to ripped.app for more information. Okay, Stevie, we'll start with you, and we'll start with the big one, the Ulster final, 30,000 fans at Clonus, one of the biggest days obviously in the GA calendar a real arm wrestle of a game, a real game of chess in many ways what were your thoughts on the game? Well look Joe, it's it's pretty straightforward, um, the game panned out the exact the exact way I thought it would have panned out, only I, I probably predicted it, a, a narrow Donegal victory um, and it was looking like that, uh, particularly late in the game Joe, uh, when Donegal went uh, two points, two points up. I was sort of mesmerised by by the, the, the tempo at which they played the next, you know, eight to ten minutes. I think there was a statistic emerged of for the next ten minutes or something they never had a single shot. You know, and even even Joe, the very last play of the game, they worked the set piece kick out. Um, you know, the sort of the bunch and break type kick out. Um, it was very clear what they were doing. Derry sort of pressed it a little bit. Um, there was still 35, 40 seconds left in the clock and they still didn't, Joe, try and orchestrate a, sco- a scoring opportunity, you know, in normal time, which I found just absolutely astonishing because, you know, to, to work a, f- a free shot right at the end, obviously, you know, Herson was going to blow the whistle regardless of whether the shot dropped short or dropped wide or, or went over, you know. So I, I think they'll look back and they'll probably be kicking themselves, Donny Gall, from that perspective, Joe, that they, they had opportunities, you know, at, at two points up in such an arm wrestle, Um the way Derry started the game, I actually was was so surprised that Donegal got back in it. And it was a degree of fortune, Joe. The goal was a, was a real, real sort of degree of fortune. It wasn't a really well-worked goal, like the Derry backdoor cut, you know, that they've been working on for, for, such, a, for such a long period of time now. But listen, it's going to... I was chatting to Daniel earlier about this, and I'm let, I let him have his own say on it. Like, but there's always a hysteria, Joe, 
whenever there's a game like Derry and Donegal, you know, there's calls for rule changes. There's there's mass hysteria. You get the the sound bites from the the, the dinosaurs like Spillane and O'Rourke and stuff like that. You know, who 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 are just looking sensationalism and looking at a throwaway comment, but. If you delve into it, you look at coaches like Mickey Hart and Canavan and Marty Clark and the analysis from BBC One, for example, absolutely top class, you know. And you look at the matchups, Joe, you know, a lot of people predicted Brenny Rogers to go on to Brendan or on to Michael Murphy, but a lot of people didn't predict Brenny Rogers outscoring Michael Murphy, you know, going the other way and and driving forward and, and really putting Michael on the back foot. You know, Chrissy McKay gave another expert ex, uh, uh, you know, uh, expert exhibition of of man marking the fence. Like Joe, the discipline that that takes to mark a man like McBrady and not give it a sniff, it's it's phenomenal discipline, like ridiculous discipline. But I think discipline's the key word. Like for Derry to execute that plan and not deviate away from that plan, Joe, and to stay really, really disciplined, like that takes a serious high degree of, of coaching and conditioning, Joe. You know, I don't think that people appreciate how difficult it is to nail that type of performance. And I think we'll have to take a step back, Joe, as well. Look at where Derry have come from. Three years ago, Derry were division four. Daniel, you'll probably remember playing them actually up in Mayo Bridge in a challenge match in 2019, three years ago. Similar group of players, you know, and, and Carlo beat them that day in a challenge match in, in the depths of the winter. But like it it Joe, I'll be honest with you here now. Like where that group has come from, you know, three or four years ago to where they are now, having beaten the All Ireland Champions, having beaten last year's Ulster finalists, Monaghan, and having beaten the favourites to win Ulster this year, Tony Gall. Like three division one teams is a phenomenal achievement, like and something that really, really it should be embraced and really respected rather than than, than fun being poked at it, Joe, you know, from from the quality of the game. So for me, I, I thought the game sort of took took a, a shape that I completely predicted it would. It was going to be a game of cat and mouse. Nobody was going to give any space in behind. Nobody was going to start pressing and, and, and leaving themselves vulnerable to a counter-attack. It was a game of chess. It was a, it was a, it was a very tactical uh, um, warfare, as you would call it, typical Ulster battle. And listen, Derry are through, Joe, and I'll tell you this now, Derry will be hard to beat because they are super organised. I mean, you've got a group, Joe, and this is something that I've always said to teams I've been working with in the past. And, you know, if you have a, if you have a plan, Joe, right, your plan might not, might not necessarily be the best plan in the world, right? It mightn't be the sexiest game plan. But if you have 100% buy-in to that plan from everyone in that group, a 100% buy-in, and you have a group down the road who have a much more sexier plan, much more innovation in their plan, but only 75 80% of them are buying in, the group that are all buying in will win 99 times out of 100, Joe. And that's what Derry have at the present moment in time. They've got a group of players who believe in the system, they believe in Gallagher and they're following it to the letter of the law. And I completely respect what they're doing. And I'm delighted to see a new face on the anglo Cell Cup. Yeah, a truly remarkable achievement there, Daniel, from, from Derry. It was a close game in the end. You know, there wasn't too much between these teams. Went to extra time. But what, what in your view, how did Derry get over the line here? What was the difference? Well, the first thing is I'm not I'm not discussing any thoughts I had on a game in future ahead of our podcast of poetry anymore because I have nothing left to say. But anyway, I try I try to come up with something. <laughs> but he's after robbing half mine. But either way, but I, I suppose um, I, I I'll, I'll try to stick to just the game itself because I think uh, when you talk about analysing games, we're not analysing anything else really other than that. And and to get into the commentary of the whole thing, I think would be unfair to Derry firstly because. I think there's an element of that has been lost in in what they've done, beating three division three te- division one teams, 
and coming from Division Four up to the up to the ranks. And I saw I saw Chris McKeg saying today he's he's had the privilege of playing in all four divisions, you know, and that that's a really that's an unusual thing in today's world. But look, the, the margins were fine, they're really really fine, and I I think people are kind of getting lost a little bit in the fact that there was there was a huge fear factor from both sides to get over the line here. And and from Donegal's point of view, like Rory Gallagher definitely was an element for them. And, and you could sense that they just didn't want to feed into his plan. It's almost a new too well what, what he wanted. And, and I was thinking about Michael Murphy, a lot of talk about him not being inside. And I was just imagining any kind of long ball would almost be worth a, that they turned over. It would almost be worth a point to Derry because that would be the target man. That would be the talisman. You could even see with the freeze, with the amount of pressure they put on Michael Murphy's freeze, they had four and five men making a wall almost. And they were giving him like, you're not allowed to shout at a free taker anymore, but the fans did a fair, a fair share of it. And you could see them trying to put them off. And there's no doubt little things like that were, were, were planned, you know. And I, I think Donegal nearly, they overthought it to a certain degree because they were saying to themselves, well, we're not going to give Roy Gallagher what he, what he wants. He wants Murphy in the edge of the square and he wants turnovers. Brendan Rodgers can compete with him. We'll get we'll swarm and we'll get big turnovers. He get oxygen from it. We'll hit them on the break. So I, I think there's an element of Donegal nearly overthought that factor of a little bit. Derry, Derry stuck to what they've been doing. And like, you know, it's when, when you go to watch the game, like you don't go to a James Bond film and all of a sudden be shocked when you see Spider-Man. Like this was never going to be this was never going to be anything but what it was. It was two counter-attacking teams. And like, I, I'm kind of, there's a funny, there's a funny narrative. If you're kind of, you're either totally for it or totally against it. There seems to be very little in the middle. Like, and I'd admit myself, there was times in the game where I was scrolling through Twitter because there wasn't much happening. But then in the moments of excitement, like you, you have to appreciate some of the scores, how hard scores were to come by. Like to, to be able to work scenarios where you were able to get a shot in with, with that level of confinement, what was, what was incredible like but I, I'm definitely in the middle somewhere but I thought Derry showed a little bit more bite about them and they probably and, and Stevie would talk to us a lot about this in Carlo they controlled the tempo I thought really well I thought they were more than happy to hold on to the ball for long periods to sit in and take their breath because I, I think they finished a lot stronger in in extra time and I don't think that's a coincidence either and especially when they attacked they had far more vigor, let's say, when they did go for, I think Mickey Hart used the phrase, cutting a good bit at halftime. When they cut and when, when they worked overloads down the flanks, they really went after them. And I think the goal is a perfect example of that, where they worked an overload down the left-hand side, lovely little backdoor cut and a really, really good finish. So I, I, I think Derry showed a little bit more, uh, energy is not the right word, but a little bit more commitment to actually attacking than, than, than Donegal did. And I think... Donegal, they were a disappointment, I'd say. They were, I thought they looked very lethargic. I thought they never really wanted to, it never really looked like, even when they had scenarios where they had a two on two on three or a three on one or something like that, out, kind of out the field, they never really went after it that much. And I think probably that little bit of bravery, that little bit of bravery held there in good stead, in a good stead in the end. But like, as I said, the margins are, the margins are so small. If Donegal won that by a point, that, that, that's job done for, for Dexon Bonner's point of view, because, it, that was a that was a horribly tricky game, and Tyrone and Monaghan showed if you go and if you go and try and spray a ball around against Derry, they will catch you and they will pick you off, and and they are incredibly organised. And I think the most important point Steve alluded to it there to have the discipline to stick to that game plan, to stick to what they were doing, even though they probably knew they were going to be getting a little bit of flack from the general public. Let's say, even though 
at times it wasn't amazing to watch to be able to stick to that religiously in in a real cauldron I think took unbelievable discipline and I know myself from the coaching side of it and from a player's point of view to have that level to have that level of discipline just to, to not be getting sucked into turnovers I think it's incredibly hard to do and people might say well sure they're only keeping it out in the middle of the field but they still scored what was it 116 I think there, there was there, there were times when they picked their moments to go they really went and, and I think that was probably the key difference between the two. Joe, the other thing to consider as well is I think, you know, for all the criticism that the game has received, if we historically go back over the last 10 Ulster finals, for example, you know, there's been a kick of the ball in every one of them. You know, they, they've, they've been really intriguing tactical battles, you know, that have kept people, you know, on the edge of their seats right to the end of the game. And let's be honest, Joe, when two heavyweights collide, whether it's in any sport, whether it's in rugby, whether it's in soccer, take the Champions League final on Saturday night. You know, everyone's expecting this classic game. You know, it was a dar affair. You know, the, the final the year before was a dar affair as well. You know, the game that everybody had against Spurs was a dar affair. The cup finals this year, both nil-nils. When two big teams meet in a final, you know, Daniel hit the nail on the head there when he said fear. No one wants to lose the game. You know, that, that's the very first thing. You know, people are nearly afraid to lose the game. And that's why you have you know, sometimes games that are very attritional, you know. And, and, and listen, for me, and I suppose we'll, we'll chat about the other provincials in, in, in smaller detail, but for me, do I want Sunday or do I want Saturday? You know, Sunday every day of the week, you know, because Saturday was embarrassing. It was pathetic, like, you know. It's probably important to, to know it as well as, like, I mean, that, that sort of a game probably won't happen again all year. Like, I mean, we, we won't yeah. see that again all year as far as I'm concerned. We, we mightn't see it for another three years. Like, I mean, Clonus, no doubt, is a tight, it's a tight cauldron. Ulster final is different to even an All-Ireland quarterfinal or to a big qualifier game. There's a different kind of pressure around it. Like, the the the, re, the reaction to it is just incredible. Like, and even, I, I know I said I wouldn't get into the, the outside stuff, but it's kind of irritated me, so I may as well go after it. But, like, <laughs> calling for rule changes in the middle of a game from a commentator who you know, it's just a commentator, I thought was absolutely ridiculous. Like, I mean, imagine you go on to the, the Masters next week and, you know, you see one under winner or, or uh, a mass or a, what are we talking, a major some, uh, sometime in the coming weeks and you see one under winning a major. Like, people aren't calling for rule changes that the tees must be brought further up. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just, it's ridiculous sort of stuff, man. And it's, it's frustrating because it takes away from the whole thing and you'd love people just to take a step back a little bit and say, all right, lads, it's one bad game that maybe wasn't the most enjoyable to watch, but who cares? Let's, let's get on with the thing. We've got all Ireland quarterfinals and qualifiers coming up, you know? And Joe, the other thing to consider, Joe, as well, is those people that make the noises are completely devolved from, from Ulster football. They don't understand what an Anglo-Cell Cup means. You've seen James McCarthy celebrating on Saturday. It was like, you know, pump, put it away, away you go. Wasn't even a smile. Okay, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> what we'll do is we'll actually just before we move on to the uh, Connacht final, just about Derry there and their sort of tactical approach and the Derry players. Do you think that Derry now have the players to go on and win in All Ireland to to compete against the likes of Dublin and Kerry? No, probably not yet. No, I don't think so. I like they're definitely they will definitely be competitive. Um, no doubt about that. I, I initially when they, when they bet their own the first day, I was kind of wondering will, will they be able to find that emotional energy again and in fairness they did and, and they've kind of proved that it's a little bit more than that now they, it, there, there, is, there is more strings there are more strings to their bow but I still think if Derry got to a semi-final that would be an unbelievable year for them Like, but I think they're probably missing that overall firepower um, 
when it comes to Croke Park. And Croke Park is a different animal to, to most grounds. And I know we always say it here, but there is it's very hard for counter-attacking teams in Croke Park. And probably, probably not. But, like, who, who knows at this stage? I, I said that before, and, and look what they're after showing. But it, at, at the end of the day, they still scraped over the line in extra time against a very flat Donegal team. So that context is probably necessary without taking away from an unbelievable achieve, achievement that they, that they have gotten their, their Anglo self. But they're, 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 probably the release, I'd say, because there's no doubt about it that the, the Ulster, Ulster final was their target at the start of the year. Probably the release of energy, the release of emotion after that. It might be very hard to get back up to that pitch again. Again, we'll, we'll see, but I, I'd, I'd be still a little bit unsure. Yeah, and we're also a bit unsure of, of Dublin's progress because they haven't really you know, played top, come against a top team as of yet, Stevie, let's move on to the Connacht final. Galway with an impressive victory over Roscommon. Now, a lot of people were kind of tipping Roscommon with their quality forwards and thought they might have come through there against Galway. But Galway showed their class in the end. Shane Walsh's goal was excellent. Uh, Stevie, what did you think of that Galway performance? Look, obviously, Joe, like the, the, the heart would have wanted Roscommon to win, but the head was saying Galway before the game. Um, I, I had no doubt that Galway were going to win the game because, look, Galway played, Roscommon played Galway in the National League, Joe. Um, Galway played a second string team in the last game. It was a facile victory for Roscommon. I was at the league final. Galway played a double sweeper, but they played two lads who were never going to be sweeper in the championship against Mayo. Um, they also played the second choice goalkeeper against Roscommon as well. They held Shane Walsh back till the last 10 minutes. So Galway were sort of playing the game a wee bit in the league final, Joe. Roscommon were full out, showed their hand, showed their full hand. At this stage, both teams know each other very well. But it was astonishing, Joe, probably the lack of matchup on the key men. Like, for example, Derry are in a possible collision course for Galway in an All-Ireland semi-final if both of them win their quarterfinals. Like, Derry would absolutely eat Shane Walsh alive. Chrissy McCaig would eat him for breakfast. You know, there's no question about it. He would not get a sniff off McCaig. And he was just given the absolute run of Salt Hill on Sunday. It was astonishing, you know, and a bit disappointed actually to see it because he was ultimately, Joe, the difference between the two sides, you know. And, and when you give a player of Shane Walsh's calibre a free roll like that, there's only one way the game's going to end. You know, Shane Walsh is an exceptional footballer, but you've got to match up on him. You've got to have someone on him who is just going to dog it out of him for 70 minutes. And like, that's the greatest respect you can show someone like Walsh because, you know, when you're a top, top player, you get targeted, you know, you get your Chrissy keg put on you or your Brendan Rogers, whoever it happens to be, you know, the opposition's best player and and our best man marker. And and for me on Sunday, uh on Sunday past, I thought Roscommon were, were very na- very naive in their approach defensively. And look it, it, it cost them in the end Joe as well. And but I do feel Galway have vulnerabilities. Um I don't rate the Galway kick out at all. They have no kick out strategy whatsoever, Joe. Um, they got away with one right through the Comer, but it was actually a miss hit. Sunday game analyzed on Sunday night, but it was actually a miss hit from the keeper. They have two kick outs, Joe. It's either a short kick out, which is a high risk one, okay, if an opposition push you up on you. And then they have the box kick out to the sideline that sort of Paddy Talley brought in a few years ago when he was in with Kevin Walsh. It's overload a load of big bodies on the sideline. And, and the, the, the strategy and the idea behind that kick out, Joe is that that's a very low-risk kick-out. So if you lose that kick-out on the sideline, there's no risk to you conceding a score. And a lot of the statistics from Paddy were based off the fact that that kick-out you don't concede scores from. But your kick-out, Joe, should be a, a platform to launch attacks from. You know, And that's, for me, when you get to the business end of the season, those are the small little margins that are going to make the difference between you winning and losing big games. And for me, Galway just 
you cannot win you cannot win an all Ireland or get to an all Ireland final with no kick out strategy. And at the present moment in time, Galway are bereft of one. Um, I also feel as well what Daniel says as well. They're a bit of counter attacking team in Crow Park. I think in Crow Park as well they will get a wee bit found out because they do have one way of playing and one way only, and that is a counter attack game where they rely on the pace of of Walsh and Comer and, you know, Flannery and these boys. And, you know, they play a double sweeper. Paul Conroy's an absolute Rolls Royce of a footballer. So if you were going to play Galway in an All-Ireland quarterfinal or semi-final, Joe, you shut Conroy down and you shut Shane Walsh down and you probably just shut Galway down full stop, you know. So for me, good win for Galway. Wasn't surprised, but I, I think that's as far as Galway's going, Joe, to be honest with you. Daniel, do you agree with Stevie's assessment on that, with that, on that game? Yeah, that, that, that game in general, Joe, it actually, oddly, I was probably looking forward to that um, more so than most over the weekend. And that left me feeling probably flattest after the lot, you know, and that probably sounds funny to say it, but I, I, I really expected, I really expected um, kind of a championship sort of edge to it. And it just never materialised. I had a feeling of kind of, um, I won't say a pre-season game, but like a, a friendly match before championship, you know, there was... Like Stevie mentioned, the the matchups from from Ross Common's point of view, like there was there was nothing there was nothing there at all. There was no edge. There was no bit of bite. Um, like and Colin O'Rourke before the game was effusive in the, and about Ross Common's new attacking style, and they were back to what they were good at. And I'm just wondering if that's what they're good at. Well, Christ above, like what are they bad at? Because <laughs> I, I just couldn't I couldn't for the life of me understand as Stevie was saying how you don't pin. Comer, how you don't pin Shane Walsh, how you don't pin Conroy, no matchups. And I was looking at Galway in fairness to them, and, and they have their flaws as well. But I was looking at Galway and, and Kieran Malloy on Donny Smith, and everywhere he went, he did a bit of a Chrissy McCaig job. Everywhere he went, he was in his face, he was slapping at him, he was narky, he was he he brought a bit of edge, you know, he brought a bit of a proper championship mentality. Like, and I'm, I'm just wondering, like, and that, and actually that that significantly reduced Donny's kind of or Miranda uh, Smith's input in the game, and. I'm, you're just wondering what what the thought process was there for Roscommon. Like it, it, they never really looked like they had they had the bit of gumption to go and actually try and win it, and they thought they might do it with nice flowing football. But in fairness to Galway, they are playing a, a kind of a counter-attacking style, as Davey said. It's it's not a million miles away from what Derry are doing, but it's probably not as organised. Um, I thought Sean Cavanagh did a, a piece beforehand about how they how they defended and how they transitioned, and it was fairly on the money. It's it's numbers back to the top of the deep, but. Regards the organisation around it, probably isn't as far down the road as Derry. Um, but what they do have is phenomenal individuals, and phenomenal individuals will get you a good amount of the way. But it's probably that overall structure that is going to be needed to break break into that semi final final place. So I, I I still don't know about Galway. Like you're conceding two sixteen to 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 Roscommon, like and Roscommon were extremely poor. That would concern me significantly. I know the goal the goals kind of came in the dying moments, but a really clinical team will finish that out and won't even give those opportunities. So definitely a few bits to work on from Galway. They'll probably be delighted to get over the line. Shane Walsh seemed very happy afterwards, you know, and it was the first first kind of title in Salt Hill in a good while. So look, they just probably wanted to get the win, but but definitely again going down, going down the road. There will be issues for them, um, and then Roscommon going, going forward, like they, they just need to get a bit of bite back. I was just astonished at how how timid they were. Was the best word for them. And there was a point there. I think Roscommon maybe should have had a penalty. There was a foot block. I think Jeremy Murder got a goal at the end, but obviously Roscommon they, they weren't in the game. They didn't look like winning it. Um, how far, Stevie, do you think Roscommon can do if they can they bounce back from that and and go through the back doors? Do you have any hope for them? 
They're a great bunch of lads, Joe, and you know I'd love to see Roscommon, you know, obviously progressing like because they've they've got some brilliant footballers, but they haven't really performed either, Joe and Crow Park. You know, that's a big, big stumbling block for them in a big game. Now, the league final, you could probably argue it was still the Division 2 final. They've won Division 2 before. You know, they haven't had a big, big win in Crow Park, Joe. And I know that that was the, the sort of the monkey on the backs, you know, when I was down last year. That was the big target to try and get to Kroger for a semi-final. You know, that's the glass ceiling for us coming, you know, get to that semi-final. And it's going to be difficult unless they get a home draw, Joe, in in, uh, in, in Dr. Hay Park, you know, against someone in the back door. And listen, there is games there, Joe, that are winnable. You know, there is games in the back door that, that, that you know, teams will be looking for. But if they were to get a Mayo or a Monaghan or a Tyrone or an Armagh, you know, it could be the end of the road, Joe, because you just come up against teams who are just better organised defensively. And listen, Joe, people can beat the stick about attacking football and this and that and that. But the bottom line is, Joe, like, you know, when you've got a strong defensive structure and a strong defensive base, that's the foundation for any victory moving forward. And you look at the teams that are left now, Kerry, Paddy Talley in there now, real strong defensive structure. Dublin have a real strong defensive structure back in place. Kerry, the Ulster real strong defensive structure. And Galway, albeit Galway's defensive structure, as Daniel Riley pointed out, is more a safety in numbers. It's, it's not as organised as the rest, but they're getting there, you know, and they realise to get to the next level, you need that defensive structure, you know, and, and unfortunately, Roscommon don't have that, and you know, the likes of David Murray and Stacky and these boys, you know, it, it's it's just when you've got space in front of you, defenders hate two things, Joe, and that's space and pace, and if you've no cover and no defensive template in place, then your defenders are in for a long, hard day. Yeah, certainly, certainly going to be difficult for them. Daniel, we'll move on to Leinster and Monster. Not a great deal of analysis here. We'll have a look at Leinster first. Dublin with five goals in the first half there against Kildare. Absolutely ruthless performance. I think that they conceded four goals in the first 18 minutes. Now, if we thought the Roscommon defending was bad, the Kildare defending there was absolutely shocking. It was so easy for, for Dublin. What on earth were Kildare thinking there? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I really and truly don't know. I, I watched it again this evening and each of the goals just were, were, were under 10 things like they were, they were, it was so poor. And I just, I, I, I can't get, I can't get my head around the mentality of till there, like what, what they thought was going to happen. Like, I mean, I was looking at, at a certain little patterns and you had some lads were standing man to man with, with their, with their marker who was standing out in the wing and they were standing there looking him in the face as runners were going past them. There was other lads who were trying to play zonal. It just like looked like they were devoid of any kind of plan whatsoever. And, there's, there's probably warning signs in the league were there as well. And obviously Dublin were a little bit angry from Newbridge. You know, I, I was talking to our boys last night. They come up for training and they were just, they don't give much away, but they were just saying that they expected a massive, massive battle in the first 15, 20, 20 minutes. And it never it never showed up. And I just, I, I don't, like, we were talking about kind of, you, you hear the phrases like, you know, go and have a go and, and bravery and go and win the game. Like, bravery isn't leaving poor Mick O'Grady in the full back down and Conor Callan 50 metres of space. That's not bravery. That's that's ridiculousness. Like, I mean, the poor man, you want to go in and give him a hug after 20 minutes. Like, he, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like, it really was. And and it was almost like they just said, right, we, we, we'll give this a go for 15 minutes. And then if they score a lot of goals, well, sure, look, we've, we've tried. We've, we've, we've gone out and played. Because last year, they sat back and were criticised for that. This year, they went out and left themselves totally exposed. And then they start playing then when they're 20 points down nearly. And I, I just, I can't get the killer mentality. I really can't. And unfortunately, it's it's pretty much same old, same old from them. Like, 
and and again, I still don't know about Dublin because like you played, you know, you haven't really played much as of yet, and, and there until there were back to Division Three type style till there. There was, you know, there was their shooting was wild. There, there was no intensity whatsoever. Like they, after after they conceded the fourth goal, they started dropping numbers back. But it, it wasn't planned. It wasn't organised. I mean, I've no problem with dropping numbers back when you're on scramble defence when it's a turnover ball. You, you get yourself set inside the 45, and then you squeeze your line out and you start to get contact maybe 10 or 15 metres outside outside the 45. But if you let if you let if you let Kieran Kilkenny and Brian Fenton get their head up and look inside, they'll pick off sweepers or passes. Like, you know, so you, you can't, you can't just, you can't just totally sit off. There has to be, there has to be a little balance. And that, that there seemed to be, you know, that Derry were, let's say, again, we go back to them for a second, but they were completely the opposite. They had a plan they stuck rigidly to. Kildare looked like they had a plan of man-to-man was, is all I could see. And then after 15 minutes, they were like, oh no, don't believe in this plan. We're, we're back into we're back into sitting in, and, and even for the Dublin kickers, I saw a couple of them behind the goal. Dublin come into a spine, and all the Kildare lads followed him in, and then Evan Comfort could hit it with his right leg into space, sixty yards, and no one would be near him. And it, all that has to happen is one run, one runner has to break, and it's unbelievably frustrating. And you really have to wonder. Like I was looking at those players individually; those players individually are as good as what Derry has. But what does Derry have? They have unbelievably good coaching. And from what I can see, Kildare don't. And, and that's the long and the short of it, I think. Stevie, um, at the end of the game there, Glenn Rand said that it went drastically wrong for Kildare. But sure, they knew they were playing Dublin, you know, for the last couple of weeks. Surely in training, they're going to set up some kind of defensive structure or defensive system against Dublin, like against these players that Dublin have. It wasn't the case. You see, Joe, it goes back to what Daniel talked about earlier as well, the narrative, you know, the narrative that, you know, people are afraid of what people are going to say about them, you know, and and this Kildare management team have been, you know, labelled the dream team, whatever, and it's, you know, you're, you're looking at their National League performances and, you know, people have been lording some of their performances in the National League, but playing in the depths of the winter in Newbridge in front of a partisan crowd on a tight field, is completely different to playing in Crow Park, you know, against Dublin, who are in prime time physical condition, you know, and that that the warning signs, Joe, for for Kildare were there. They got to see Dublin playing, you know, against Wexford. They got to see them playing against Meath. You know, the warning signs were there that the Dubs had their mojo back. You know, they really, really did have their spark back. They had their mojo back, and you know, the organisation of Dublin, the way they're leaving the three in deep, you know, on, on, on Sunday it was Con Rock and Costello, you know, lying in deep as a three, nearly like a nut. The old John Morrison one, Lord Reston, where he used to leave three inside and then breaking out in different areas and using screening and the likes of that, you know, and you can see Dublin are obviously, you know, trying to give as much depth to their attack as possible and give them that kicking option, Joe. But my God, in the first half, or the first 20 minutes, it was... Joe, there's nothing short of comical to describe the performance because it was comical. I've seen a tweet, I can't remember who it was, but someone says, like, why why are the Kildare management team not getting questioned on going out and going man-to-man against Dublin for the first 20 minutes, you know? And it, it is absolute madness. Like, when you look at the form that Conor Callaghan has come back in, like, that break that Conor Callaghan ha- has had, that break will do him the world of good, Joe. You know, he's back like a new man now. He just looks... You touched on it last time, Daniel, we were speaking... He is frightening, absolutely frightening. Physical condition, the pace, the power. It's just, it's just awesome, you know. And then the running power off the shoulder of, you know, the likes of Kenny coming from deep and Bulger and these guys. 
Like it's it's absolutely yeah. phenomenal to watch, but it's phenomenal to watch when they're allowed to play, Joe, and when you let a team play, you know, and and you can bet your bottom dollar, Dublin will meet Kerry in the All Ireland semi final. That is the All Ireland semi final. Okay, there's no one's going to beat Dublin or Kerry in the quarter final. I can't see it, right? I can't see it. I'll be astonished if they do. So in that All Ireland semi final, you can guarantee one hundred percent, regardless of what the purists think, Kerry will be setting up with fifteen men behind the ball for the first 15, 20 minutes. They will have everyone back. And that first 20 minutes in Crow Park, three, two, four each, five each, whatever. And tell you this now, they'll not be conceding three or four goals. Not a chance. And Kerry there, Daniel, not much analysis in this one, the Munster final, dismantled Limerick 128 to 0-8. David Clifford was out injured. I was going to ask you, how good are Dublin and Kerry? Is there anything that you can glean from these games that can say to you, okay, they're... Those that's that's the team that's going to win the All Ireland. Um, no, really, to be honest, uh, like I, I will say, both teams look hungry. Both teams look look sharp. But most teams do when there's no pressure, when there when there's uh, when there's no major opposition. Fortunately, so it's very hard to it's very hard to tell. The, the the quarterfinal stages might be interesting to see who gets more of a contest and what that draw might be ahead of a semi final. As Stevie says, they're they're more than likely going to meet in the semi final. So that, that will be interesting to see um, to see if the lack of games will eventually catch up on either of them. But it's, um, yeah, the, the whole provincial thing has just left me like probably outside of outside of Ulster and Fairness, which at least was competitive, whatever else it may not have been. The whole thing has just left me feeling really flat and pointless. And even in the comparison with, with some of the excitement in the Talchon Cup, and I never thought I'd see myself saying it, but at least that seems more meaningful. Like, and... And that's an awful, like that's an awful indictment of, of, of the provincials, you know. But it's um, it like even from an from an analysis point of view, you're learning zero practically. You're learning nothing. I mean, we, we know Dublin can score goals. We know Kerry can ream off thirty points. Now I think on the Sunday game they were looking for something that Kerry didn't score enough goals. But sure, look, I mean, it's a it's a a tiny little nitpicking point to do a piece of analysis to score twenty eight points. You know, it's I don't know, it's it's. It's it's largely pointless, and that's not again. That's it's nearly unfair on Limerick, and I won't say unfair in Kildare because Kildare are a Division One. I know they're Division Two now. They should be putting up a little bit of a, a little bit of a burst. But like in fairness to Limerick, it was it was it was bonus territory for them, you know, and they've had a phenomenal year. So I wouldn't be too hard on them. But it's um, yeah, the, the whole weekend left me a little bit flat, to be honest with you. Lads, I'd like to get your view on the back door for the All-Ireland. We have a couple of big games coming up uh, the weekend. Stevie, we've got Monaghan v Mayo. We've got Tyrone v Armagh. Who do you see making a burst there uh, through the back door? Um, well, I think this weekend's games, Joe, uh, the two big ones, obviously, Mayo and Monaghan. Uh, I was actually at the game in the National League this year in Clonus. Uh, there was very little between the teams. I'll see, I think the same will happen this weekend again. It was very, very interesting. Tactically, what Mayo done that day to the Monaghan goalkeeper, uh, Began, you know, they actually man-marked him in the second half to curb his influence and, and actually pushed, everybody pushed up a lane, you know, everybody pushed up one. And it'd be very interesting to see how Mayo approached that this weekend. Um, you know, Monaghan will have learned hard lessons from the Derry game as well. So you can expect Monaghan to be a bit more rigid defensively, a bit more, a bit more solid defensively. And Mayo have always historically struggled against teams like that. 
Uh, now, they did get the win in Clonus this year, but Monaghan were the better side that day, to be honest with you, Joe. So I can see that game very, very 50-50-ish. I just think with the injury list that Mayo have, the rumour mill is that Ryan O'Donoghue's injured. If he's injured, I think they're in big trouble, um, you know, coupled with the injuries that they already have. So I, I'm going to predict Monaghan in that. And I also I think that Sunday's game in the athletic grounds is going to be a classic. I think it's going to be, it's going to be seriously intense. It's knockout football. Um, it's probably the first proper knockout game that we're going to see this year, Joe. You know, so it'll be very interesting to see. And I'm just going to probably edge for home advantage in our man this one. Daniel, who do you see coming through that back door group? They're controversial, controversial choices for myself. But um, yeah, the, the, the actual the phrase he used there was knockout. And I'm just thinking about who are who are knockout teams. And obviously, up to our Ireland finals, Mayo are knockout kings, you know, and when, when the pressure is on, they, they find a way and, and they're very comfortable under that kind of, under that route, under qualifier route, under pressure route. I, I, I still have a little, I still have an inkling for Mayo, for Mayo I think. Um, I think they'll have used their time quite well. Um, it, it's kind of a period, like they've had a substantial amount of time since the Galway game. And I, I just have a sneaky suspicion that they'll, they'll come back all guns blazing and it'll be, I think their conditioning and their power and they're probably, even despite the couple of injuries, their bench might get them over the line, I think. Um, whereas I think Monaghan are slightly more limited um, in, the, in that aspect. But So I give, Mon- I give Mayo the nod there. And then I suppose when you're looking at Armagh Tyrone, again, who are, who are comfortable coming through qualifiers, who are comfortable in crunch knockout games, that's Tyrone all day for me. And I think Armagh have a little bit of, of the Kildares about them still. I think they emptied the tank in the, le- in the league and I'm not sure if they're going to have the variety in their play to cope with Tyrone. I think Tyrone are going to go back to brass tacks. I think they're going to go back like they did last year. They're going to go back to a heavy counter attacking game. I think they'll they'll run hard through the Armagh lines and I, I can really see them bringing a massive edge to this. You know, it, It's funny, like if I, I was talking to Stevie way back when, when and we were talking about how dangerous the qualifiers be could be, and I, I said, "Jesus, our match, Tyrone, that'd be the exact one to get would get the Tyrone people absolutely humming, you know." And mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I, I fancy Tyrone, but I still, I still think it's, I think our have a, a bit to go still. I think Tyrone could be a little bit more comfortable than than we think. Certainly, two home dingers there for the weekend uh, for us to look forward to. Lads, we'll move on to the Talchin Cup. There were seven games. We'll probably spend maybe. 30 seconds to a minute on each game. Stevie, I'll start with you. One of the first games that was played was Cabin against Down, 24 to 112. No surprise there, Stevie. In fact, I was watching it myself. I thought maybe Cabin could have scored 30 points in that game. Down got an early goal, but it wasn't to be. Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, Joe, look, it's been a tough year for games, tough year for Down. Um, I think the best thing to do, Joe, after the weekend is to put a line through this year and, and start looking at next year and start looking to rebuild and maybe possibly go bring in some younger players from the under 20 last year. Go with youth, try and build from the bottom up, but uh, certainly a very disappointing calendar year. Not to win a game all year, Joe's very, very disappointing. It certainly is. Daniel Leitrim beat Antrim. Keith Byrne got not six. He's their main man. That was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, yeah, I was watching the highlights of it, and, and it was. And and Antrim looked, Antrim looked a little bit all over the place. And even discipline-wise, they didn't look hectic. And even Enda McGinley leaving after the even at, leaving after the afternoon game, I'm kind of wondering was everything okay in the camp? It, it didn't look like um, 
the performance I would have expected from Antrim, you know. But Leishman will be delighted with it. That that's a really, really big win for them, and they'll fancy the next round as well, you know. So it's um yeah, like it was relatively competitive, but I think Leitrim were probably a bit more comfortable than the scoreline suggested in the end. Yeah, they certainly seemed a wee bit more clinical in front of goals. Stevie, are you surprised Andy McGinley has stepped down after two years? Yeah, it's a tricky one, Joe. Um, as Daniel says, it's hard to know what was going on in the camp. Um, I know his brother-in-law to the McCanns, and the rumour mill was that the McCanns were sort of retiring this year as well. They'd, they'd given two years, and maybe that was sort of the the pre-contract agreement, Joe, that he would do two years, maybe, you know, but I know End is a very good coach and I'm sure that he'll get another job uh, if he wants to stay in coaching. Uh, there's no question about it that he's got a bright future. He certainly will. One here for me, lads, and I'm disappointed with this one, obviously. Sligo 3.15, London 2.16, that game went to extra time. It was a roller coaster of a game. I'm still feeling the effects of it here myself. <laughs> Uh, Alan Riley broke our hearts there, lads, with uh, with a point at the end of uh, normal time, and then they, they got a goal at the end of extra time as well. We missed a penalty. We also missed a free kick to win it at the end of normal time. So we got a couple of black cards as well, and a couple of red cards too. But fair play to Sligo, I suppose, for for you know coming back there and sticking with it, Daniel. Mm. Yeah, it was, um, again, only saw the highlights, but it looked like a, a bit of a humdinger. And it was a pity I heard that, that you have to get a number of flights and there was a lot of logistical yeah. logistical bits and pieces. So all those things considered, I thought, a phenomenal performance from London. And it's obviously, I know um, Tony McEntee was looking fairly seriously at it post-championship uh, knockout. He was, th- he was saying they're going to take this quite seriously, but it would have been a massive win for London. You know, really would have an extra game, an extra, an extra week in the championship would have been brilliant. And it's, it's the kind of competition that could... That could bring bring London on leaps and bounds, I thought. But pity in the end, I'd say it's a devastating way to lose. Yeah, well, London had a good season. You know, they had three wins in the league. They brought Leitrim to you know to the end as well, and they probably should have beat Sligo there. So, fair play to London. Gonna, I was just going to say that, Joe. Actually, you know, you fair play to you. A fantastic year because I know from speaking to yourself and Kieran and that logistically it's very difficult for you, even with training and stuff like that. So, hats off and well done. That was a was a brilliant year for you. Well done. Thanks very much, lads. Uh, and lads, a uh, team obviously close to, to your hearts. Uh, Carlo beat Tipperary there, Daniel. Uh, superb, superb win. I think it was a second half performance that got you through. Yeah, I managed to grab an old link from an old contact, so I got to watch it fully today. So it was brilliant. Yeah, it really was. They they were um they 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 went back to what they were good at, really. You know, they 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 kind of realized probably physically Tipperary would have been a bit bigger, but they got a lot of mobility in around the middle third of the field. They dropped off most kickouts, they filled their half of the field fairly well, and you know, they kept the ball for periods of possession and uh, a club mate of mine is kind of his first proper year inside. Got a really good goal that kind of steadied the ship a little bit. Niall Hickey, he got a really good finish. But it was, um, it's brilliant. Like you know, and, and again, I think this is exactly what the competition is about. Like there were some fantastic young footballers playing who probably haven't got exposed to real championship stuff with Carlo yet. And there was a really good buzz about it afterwards. You know, so it's, um, yeah, I, I, they'll be they'll be really happy with it. I think, and and I, I hope that this momentum continues on to next year and they, they stick with they stick with these young lads that they have because they have a panel of really good, honest, hard-working lads and, and I hope that kind of continues to next year and, and they have a little bit of consistency now, which is which is really important. But uh, Westmead, will be a, Westmead will be a tough one for them, you know, and Carlos struggled a little bit on their own kick-out when they didn't get it away short. So if they can remedy those couple of small little things, they, they should be competitive anyway. Uh, Dar Foley there, your old mate that you soldiered with, uh, I think it was his flick down for the Foley goal there. It was a great picture of him at the end of the game celebrating it. Uh, good to see that for, for those senior lads, isn't it? 
It's it's brilliant, yeah, it is because it's it's been tough it definitely i've been in contact with dara fairly regularly and, and it's not been easy and and look when you have a transition of maybe 15 20 players it, it's it's a massive change and like it, he puts his life and soul into it I, I know i know from the way he carries himself and how he trains it means it means the world to him and I, I was delighted for him as well like that he's that he's getting he's getting a little bit of kudos as well because he was always a little bit of the forgotten man sometimes you know and i'm delighted to see him going well and He's listened. He that picture at the end. He was just telling me he'd ordered his little chipper at home. He said he got a, a nice little burger afterwards. He said he's loaded a treat. So he said he'd throw the hands up in the air. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this now. Really, he'll be back with something. I'm going to send it to him. And Westmead, I think Carlo played Westmead. A big leash, uh, 113 to not 13. Uh, Stevie. Not a great season for Leash there. I think Sta- Sam McCartan got the got the goal there um, for Westmead. I think it was. Yeah, don't get me started in Leash, Joe. Like you're trying to set me up there to get me going. Like, oh, listen here. Look, no difficult season for Billy, first year in charge, and uh, a bit like Carlo, you know, a big turnover of players there too. See, John O'Loughlin retired there today. Colin Begley during the week, you know, losing some big, big players, and you know that's a rebuilding job for Billy as well, Joe. You know, and awfully not eighteen. Daniel Wicklow, not 10. McNamee's there now, McNamee. John Mohan and Tomas O'Shea will be happy with that performance, I would say. Yeah, and I actually found John Mohan's comments interesting afterwards that he said it's a good chance for them to blow the under-20s, you know, so they're not necessarily looking at it as their senior competition. Obviously, they're a phenomenal under-20 side, and that could be very beneficial for them next year, you know, that they're getting two or three competitive games into those young lads, you know, because that is the future of Offaly football, realistically. So I think it's very interesting the way different managers are approaching this. You know, Kevin pretty much going full board. Let's say Carlo be going full board. Um, and then Offaly using it as a slightly different kind of, um, a slightly different adventure, you know. So it's, it definitely is interesting. But still, at the same time, Offaly uh, kind of steadied the ship after the extra game. I think things have calmed down a little bit and they seem to be playing really nice football. So um, they'll definitely be there, thereabouts in the shake-up at the end. And last game in the Talston Cup there, Stevie, was Longford not 12 Fermanagh one twelve great result there for Kieran Donnelly. We we sort of seen things from Fermanagh in the first half for performance against Tyrone. Uh, good result. Yeah, great result. And uh, you know, again they have a big game now, Joe, against Cavan. And if they're to beat Cavan now, it would set them up lovely. I think if Fermanagh were to beat Cavan in the next round, it would probably actually put them in as favourites and to win the Tulsa Cup, in my opinion. You know, but again, the next one is the big one for them. And Kavanaugh eleven to eight Daniel to win the Talchin Cup at the minute with Paddy Parr. Um, awfully ten to three next favourites. Do you look beyond those two teams? Are Westmead in for a chance for Mana? As Stevie said. Yeah, quite possibly. And again, this all depends on on the attitude coming into. It. It's very hard to read the form lines. And as I said, with 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 Offaly, they, they could be looking at it as a slightly different thing. Whereas Cavan could be going all out for it. And I you, you still would have to say Cavan. And just purely based on, on on the quality of player they have and they have such strength, like especially down their spine, their team is phenomenal, you know. So you probably would be leaning towards Cavan, I would imagine. But then again, like Fermanagh wouldn't fear Cavan if they met them, you know, that they won't fear them. And and I'd say that'll be that'll be probably go a long way to deciding who wins it, I'd imagine. Excellent stuff, lads. Thanks very much, Stevie and Daniel, for joining the podcast. Thanks, no problem. Tom. Thank you, lads. And thank you very much for tuning in. And hopefully we'll see you in two weeks' time. Thank you.